Good morning. Good morning. Man, I, I want to just uh, jump right in and, and just talk about what we're going to talk about today. I, I'm just, I don't know, I told them in the prayer room that every week I feel like, all right, this is the most, thank you, darling. That's relationship goals right there, isn't it? I, I, I'm, I tell them every week, this is the most convicting message of them all, and then it just, every week. So I, I want to just, uh, I haven't done this yet, but I want to give you the title today's message. It's called, It's Not You, It's Me. It's not you, it's me. Here we go, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we've read it every week, let's read it together. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, say transformed, Transformed. by the renewing of your mind. So here's what we've talked about so far. We've talked about spiritual transformation. We've talked about physical transformation. We've talked about mental transformation. Last week, we talked about emotional transformation, and today, we're going to talk about relational transformation. And a collective sigh went across the room. How many of you would just agree with me if I, if I were to ask you, yeah, there's some relationships that need a little work. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. So when you hear the word relationship, a lot of things come to your mind. And so I'm, I'm putting this sermon together, and I'm, I'm like, Lord, how are we going to talk about all these different relationships at the same time and, you know, and still, you know, get to the restaurant. You know, how are we going to put all this together? And so I'm going to ask you to give me a little liberty here. I'm just going to show it to you like God showed it to me. Is that okay? Okay, so you're going to see an image pop on the screen, and this image is you. That's you. Some of you took the physical transformation thing really seriously. See, what I want to talk about is really six different types of relationships and then see if we can find a common denominator, okay? We're going to talk about six different types of relationships. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on any one. Might jump on a soapbox a time or two here as we go through, but we're going to talk about six different relationships. The first one we're going to talk about is romantic relationships, right? Right? Come on. Everybody likes a little romantic celebration, right? Right? Uh, But I'm going to tell you, our world's lost its mind. Our world has lost its mind. It it seems like, uh, I'm going to tell you a funny story. You're going to laugh at me, but it just makes sense. Okay, so uh, I've been watching my friend Travis is on a fishing trip this week. All right, so he's been posting pictures on Facebook about all these fish that he's catching. All right, you with me so far? Lots of fish. So I walked in. To the, we had a birthday party for Kelly. She turned 45 last week. <laughs> Just kidding. She's 21. 21. Yeah, is that better? Okay. So we had a little birthday party for her, and there was some girls sitting inside the, of my living room, and I walked in, and I looked at Bridget, and I said, you're going to have plenty of fish. And they all looked at me funny. And I'm like, what? And they just, Bridget's not going to have plenty of fish. She's a married woman. And I'm like, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. How, how many don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, how many do know what I'm talking about already? Y- y'all need Jesus right now? Because I Googled plenty of fish this morning. 
don't do that. Don't do plenty of fish. Hey, hey I, I did read, uh, I read something about plenty of fish. Would you like me to, to tell you what plenty of, this is what it said about plenty of fish. Plenty of fish is very successful at helping singles find dates, flings, casual encounters, and hookups. So I'm getting a little older, so I'm just going to ask the young people in the room, does hookup mean what I think it means? Okay, that's what I thought. It seems we have glorified this temporary romantic situation. And, and I'm going to tell you, I put this out on Facebook yesterday, that a romantic relationship that is intentionally temporary is always toxic. Period. I don't have a lot of time to spend there, but I'm just going to... Y'all not going to like what I'm getting ready to say, but my generation was the last generation for romance. We did it right. I'm going to tell you, we didn't have a cell phone. Let me tell you what you had to do in my generation, okay? In my generation, I saw a video of this guy asking this girl for her phone number. And, and here's what he did. He handed it to her, and she put her number in. And I thought, that is sorry. You're, I, I, I'm like, I'm glad you're not my son. Because let me tell you how we had to do it. We had to ask for real digits. And we had to write them down. Because if you didn't write them down, guess what? You're never going to see her again. And then you had to pick up a phone with a cord on it. And you had to dial those digits. What's this. I'm going I'm to blow everyone away. 9215193. Was that it? Yeah, that's right it was. And, and I'm going to tell you, you had to, you had to call a phone that would very likely be answered by one of her parents. I'm just telling you, y'all don't know nothing about that. Uh, can, can I be with Donna? And then if, if she finally agreed to go out with you, here's what I had to do. I had to go to my closet, pick out one of my six members-only jackets. And I couldn't find her house with a GPS. You know how to do it. I had to call her. Maybe I'd like to come pick you up. Can you tell me how to get to your house? And I showed up, and, and there's a really strong chance her mom was going to answer the door. And, or dad, yes. And, and, I, and I guess what we've done is we've lost this idea of meeting someone. If it seems like it's going somewhere, let's keep hanging out. It, it, we've traded that for, you know, hookups and flings. Thank you. It's toxic right? <laughs> I really did have six members only jackets. Yes. And we'd be celebrating 36 years. So something worked. All right. So romantic relationships. Okay. We're going to talk about that a little more. Um, family. All right. Anybody, nobody in this room's ever had an issue with anybody in your family, right? Nobody never happens. Never happens. Right. Of course not. Of course not. Now, that's a really different dynamic, but it still has the potential to be toxic and difficult, doesn't it? Right? So we got a romantic relationship. we got our family relationship. How about friends? Let's talk about our friendships. Now, I'm not talking about the 943 Facebook friends that you have. I'm talking about real friends, all right? Real friendships take work, don't it? Doesn't it? It, it takes a little, little bit of effort and time and energy. So let's 
Let's talk about that. Let's talk about romantic relationships. Let's talk about families. Let's talk about friends. Let's talk about relationships with people that you have in church. You're like, well, aren't we all friends? I'm like, maybe you come to church with somebody that you're not really friends with, right? Is that possible? Of course it is, right? And, and I'm going to tell you, we, we mess up this church relationship. We think church is disposable. Like if you, if pastor doesn't say something, say something that I don't like, then I'll just, you know, I'll go down the road. I'm going to tell you what makes me really nervous. When people show up here for the first time, and immediately the conversation, they begin complaining, begin to complaining to me about their old pastor. Because I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a matter of time before you're complaining about me. You know, you, you know, when you first show up and I make you laugh, it's all, you know, nice and honeymoony. But sooner or later, I'm going to say something that ticks you off and you're going to, you know, you're going to be complaining about me to somebody else. So we're going to talk about romantic relationships. We'll talk about family relationships, friends relationships, church relationships. How about work relationships? You got, <clears throat> I heard some groans. I heard some groans. How I many know that that can be challenging? Uh, you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't necessarily choose who you work with, right? And that's, that's, got, some, that's, got, some, uh, that's got some challenges. And then lastly, let's talk about acquaintances. That's the 943 Facebook friends that you've got. Uh, honestly, probably not. How many of you have a friend on Facebook that you've never met in person? M more than 10. Me too. I've... I'll see something pop up, and I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Why am I seeing your birthday? <laughs> Why? It's weird, right? Our culture's just gotten relationally weird. So how can you and I, in one few-minute sermon, deal with all of those, all of those? How can we deal with romantic relationships and family relationships and friend relationships and church relationships and work relationships and just acquaintances how can we deal with all of those well first we have to find a common denominator want to guess what the common denominator there is i'll give you a hint it's you you not the neck it's you you know, when I, when, I, when I drew that out on my computer, I was like, somebody's going to say something about that. The common denominator is you. It's not, look at somebody say, it's not you, it's me. I want you to imagine that you're sitting around a table, and one person from each of those categories is sitting around the table with you. you got your romantic interest, uh, family, friend, one person from each of those categories. So there's seven people sitting around this table. You with me so far? How many of those people can you control? One. How many of those people can you change? One. See, I, I think where we get into trouble relationally, now listen, I'm not saying that there, is, that, that there isn't a moment when someone wrongs you because that's just the way life works. You've been wronged, maybe romantically, maybe in your family, maybe at work or at church even. So what do you do? It'd be nice if we could just fix them, right? Listen to me. You can't fix them. You can only do something about you, all right? So I'm going to tell you... We're going to look at something together today. What can 
I do? Say, what can I do? What can I do? It, what, can, what can I do? Here's the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do, is to identify toxic relationships. Now, what's, an, what's a toxic relationship? That's that relationship where nothing productive happens. Nothing good comes out of a, productive race, uh, a toxic relationship. Am I right? Okay, so here's the question you have to ask. You don't have space to write this down, but, but this is important. The question you have to ask when you're faced with a toxic relationship is this. Is this a relationship God wants me to terminate? Or is this a relationship that God wants to transform? So I'm going I'm to say this, and, and you're going to push back, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway because I just happen to believe it's true. We terminate relationships way too easily. Now, here's a, here's a pause for a disclaimer. If, if you're in an abusive relationship, physically, mentally, otherwise, God never asked you to be a doormat. You with me? Um, never say, Dwayne wants me to stay in an abusive relationship because that's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm, I'm talking about those relationships that are just not productive, not good, nothing's happening. But it's stalemate. It's dying. The question you have to ask, God, is this something I need to terminate? Or is this something you want to transform? And here's the part you're not going to like. Transformation is almost always God's plan. God wants to turn graves into gardens. God would much rather raise the dead than bury it. Truthfully, most of your relationships are probably not toxic. I didn't say they weren't bad. I didn't say they weren't, you didn't have some struggles. I, I, I'm sure that there's a redeeming quality in most of them. So that, if, if there is, I'm not talking about a toxic, I'm talking about something that's dead or dying. God, what do you want to do? Is this, is this over? Or is this something you want to transform? And I'm going to tell you, God's default is restoration. That's just how he works. Now, it t does it take a lot of effort and a lot of prayer and a lot of work? Of course it does. But I'm, let's just not give up so easily. Let's push through. Now, you think I'm talking about marriages only, but I'm talking about the whole gamut. Man, I had, I had lunch with a, a friend of mine from my high school years ministry friends and then we could both get married and lost touch well this life went crazy and we reconnected and had lunch and and i i felt so sad you know why i felt sad i felt responsible because i didn't do the work to keep us connected i wasn't there for him when his life went to hell in a handbasket and i should have been we give up way too easily so you've got to identify toxic relationships, all right? And then I want you to identify static relationships. It's very different, isn't it? What's a static relationship? And I'm going to tell you most of your problem relationships aren't toxic, they're static. And, and let me see if I can help you understand what I mean by a static relationship. It isn't toxic, but it isn't growing. Yeah? It's, it's that spouse you're just taking for granted. They've always been there. They always will be. 
It's that friend that you assume is okay. It's that person you've gone to church with for a year and still don't know anything about them. It's that coworker that gets on your last nerve. That's a static relationship. And you don't have a blank for this, but I think as we're identifying relationships, you ought to identify the healthy ones as well. Because you have some of those too. I bet you that everybody in this room has a toxic relationship, one or more static ones, and one or more healthy ones. And you need to identify them. Because here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you five truths about relationship transformation. And these truths work to transform. Let me ask you a question. If, if you don't work at a healthy relationship, what will it soon become? Static, right? It'll stop growing, right? Some of you guys are, are in, into gym work, all right? You get in, you, like me, you know, pumping iron, and, and you, you've seen some goals, you've seen some growth, but what happens if you stop? Right? Some of you have lost weight by changing your diet and, you know, stop eating, you know, Halloween candy that somebody left in the coffee shop. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? You, you, but what happens if, if you change back? That health is going to get static, right? And so I, I believe these truths are going to work for your toxic relationships that, that God wants to transform. I believe these truths will work for your static relationships that God needs to do a work in. And I believe these truths will keep your healthy relationships growing. So regardless of where you're at on this gamut, I want you to, I want you to, to hang on with me and, and uh, let's see what God's going to do. The first, the first truth is this. Every relationship transformation begins with someone. So my challenge for you this morning is, is to be that someone. It's not you. It's me. Be that someone to your spouse, to your friend, to your coworker, that person you go to church with that you have absolutely nothing in common with. Be that someone to them. All right? I want you, I want you to take a snapshot of your thoughts right now. Because if you're thinking right now of someone else that needs to be that someone, you've missed the point. If you're thinking of someone else that needs to make the first step, you've missed the point. Look with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. I want to just see if you can see a common theme here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, does that mean it's pretty important? Above all, keep loving one another. Say one another. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. Say one another. one another. Hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. Say it with me. One another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Love each other. Show hospitality to one another. Serve one another. And I did a little word study on that phrase, one another, and it when we hear it, we think of two people with their arms locked, and that's not what it means. It means one 
to another. In other words, I'm called to love you and I'm called to serve you even if you don't bring it back to me. I'm called to serve you. I'm called to love you. My one another means I'm one and I'm giving it to another. Well, Dwayne, what, what about when they don't give it back? Doesn't change the command. Not one bit. Our calling is not to give and then receive. Our calling is not to love and to be loved. Because sometimes, and you guys know this, that love that you give isn't always given back, is it? It's not always a simultaneous. And it's nice when it is, when you love and they love and everybody loves. Right? It's nice. But in the real world, that doesn't always happen, does it? Sometimes you're giving and giving and giving, and they're not giving back. And what you want to do is go, I'm done. And that's not our calling. See that? That, that calling to love and to serve. There's like 70-something one another's in the New Testament. And they're all challenging you and me to love and give and serve and love and give and serve and love and give and serve. And not one time does it ever say, hit the pause button until you get something back. It's not how it works. You don't have a blank for this, but you ought to write this one down. Relational transformation rarely happens as long as you're waiting on someone else to make the first move. Wouldn't it be good... Let me, all right, I'm going to have to give you a little peek behind the Donna and Dwayne curtain. Okay. Have you ever had a disagreement with your spouse? Never, of course not. I, obviously, Donna and I are the only ones that, that that's ever happened to. You know, when I get all up in my uh, rightness, like I'm right about this, right? Does anybody know what that means? You with me on that? I'm, when all, I'm all up in my rightness, <clears throat> I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait until, you know, God just gets a hold of her heart, shows her how right I am, and she comes groveling back to me, you know, begging my forgiveness and making me a sandwich. Hmm. That sounds, that sounds great until I, I read these admonitions in Scripture that says I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Now, I'm, I'm right sometimes, rarely, honestly. He was right all the time. Did he wait on us? He just showed his love, didn't he? See, I, I'm of the opinion that if, if you're in a toxic relationship and you're in a static relationship, even if you're in a healthy relationship, you ought to be the first one to extend love and grace, service. Because we're chasing Jesus, and that's what he would do. Write this down. Because genuine love transforms relationships. See, I was listening to a sermon this morning, and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about here, but he made a, a great point. He was talking about whether or not we're a Christian nation. And, and he said, you know, um, it's, it's one thing to have Christian principles. It's another thing to live them out. 
And, and I thought, that, that's so true because everybody in this room, or virtually everybody in this room, virtually everybody that's watching online would say that you agree with a lot of Christian principles. That's not what I'm challenging you with. I'm challenging you. I'll just read it to you. Jesus said these words in John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Am I reading that correctly? Jesus told me I got to love you like he loved me. See, that is genuine love. See, we're really good at talk, talking about love. We're really good at manipulative love. In other words, I'm going to love you because I'm going to get something back. Are you going to think I love you? Jesus said, like I loved you, you love one another. And I'm going to tell you that's a tall order. But if I want my relationships transformed, if I want my toxic relationships to get healed, if I want my static relationships to grow, if I want my healthy relationships to stay healthy and to get healthier, then I've got to love you like Jesus loved me. Let's talk about that. Because in reality, love is an expression of value. Okay? So let, let me see if I can explain what I'm talking about. What would make you run into a burning building? So if, if there was something or someone inside that building that you had enormous value attached to, would you run into it? If you had none, if it was just a random building on fire, are you going to run into that one? Unless you get paid to do that, you're, you're, you're probably not. Maybe, I don't know. Sometimes people are heroic, but, you know, I'm not. If, if I knew one of my children, my wife, honestly, one of y'all, I'd run into a burning building. If it was a Tennessee Volunteers fan, we're waiting on the fire department. Did I, say, did I say that out loud? That makes sense. See, value, value is what is something worth to you. Or, or what's it worth to someone else? Man, I saw this article, and some of y'all won't recognize this name, about Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan just sold his musical collection, all of the songs that he wrote, to a company. I think it was Sony. For $400 million. $400 million for a collection of songs. I'm st I started writing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, come on. I, I saw this. I saw this. Uh, this uh, I, I like Paul and Stars. Judge me. I don't care. Uh, this guy brought a Jimi Hendrix guitar in that was owned by. Hendrix. See, sometimes the value is not what just what it, sometimes the value is not what uh, it, sometimes the value is not what it's worth to you, it's who owned it. 
guitar is owned by Jimi Hendrix. And they brought it in to Pawn Stars and they offered them $600,000. And they turned it down. <laughs> Scott, you take your guitar to Pawn Shop and they give you $600,000. You, you're going you're to turn it loose, aren't you? <laughs> See, sometimes it's, it's what it's worth to, to somebody else. It's what it's, somebody's willing to pay for it or or who owned it. I'm not commanded to love you because of your value to me. I'm commanded to love you because God loved you enough to pay the highest price that's ever been paid. So my value, I've, I'm commanded to value not just because of your value to me, but because of your value to God. If you're valuable to him, you should be valuable to me. Even if I don't like you. Even if we don't agree. Even if you didn't vote like I voted. I'm commanded to love you because of your extreme value to my Heavenly Father. I'm commanded to love you not because we agree, not because we like the same sports teams, not because we like the same candidate, the same food, any of that stuff. I'm commanded to love you not because of any of that, but because Jesus loves you enough to give His love. And I ought to be able to look past anything else because of that. You've never put your eyes on someone that wasn't so valuable to God that he gave the life of his son. And because of that and that alone, we should have value to each other. Genuine love transforms relationships. Love is an expression of value. And listen, love requires action. How many of talk's cheap? Come on. I think I've asked you this question before, but I'm going to ask you again. Have you ever had someone look in your eyes and say, I love you, and you knew they didn't mean it? How'd that feel? It was great, wasn't it? Or they looked you in the eye and said, I love you, and then moments later proved otherwise. Yeah, that feels great, doesn't it? Yeah. See, real love requires action. Let's look at what that looks like. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. Uh-oh. Help me, Holy Ghost. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it isn't irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I'm not really sure who challenged me to do this, but someone, someone told me one time, it might have been my wife, I don't know, it might have been one of y'all, I don't know, but, but let's just... Let's just experiment. What happens if I take that word love out and I replace it with my name? Can I get through all three verses without lying? Dwayne is patient and kind sometimes. Dwayne does not envy or boast. Dwayne is not arrogant or rude. Dwayne does not insist on its own way. Dwayne is not irritable or resentful. I, I need y'all to quit chuckling. That's just, <laughs> that's rude. That is rude. Dwayne doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Dwayne bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So I, I'm going to tell you, when I look at that 
through the context of who Dwayne is, it tells me that it's not you, it's me. Oh, by the way, single people, put the person you're dating's name in that, in that same spot. And if you can't get through without chuckling or going, no, he's not, no, she's not, then you probably need to move on. Oh, sorry, I, didn't, I just threw that out there. But. See, love requires action. Love may require you to be patient with somebody that annoys you. Love may require you to be kind to a family member that doesn't return your kindness. Love might require you to be patient with a spouse instead of giving up on them. Love may require you to roll up your sleeves and serve your church when you'd rather insist on someone else doing it. See, love is at work. But you don't understand, Dwayne. That works for you. You don't understand. I'm doing all the work in this relationship. I'm the only one putting in the effort. They don't deserve what I'm giving. I, I just want to read this passage again. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another as I have loved you so I'm supposed to in the context of all these relationships love others like Christ loved what does that look like see I'm going to tell you when you're really like Jesus I am most like Christ when I'm extending undeserved love I'm most like Christ when I'm kind to the unkind I'm most like Christ when I'm loving to someone that is not returning that love and hasn't done anything to deserve anything. I'm most like Christ when I'm extending love to somebody that doesn't deserve it. And oh, by the way, when did we get to decide who deserves love and who doesn't? I'm most like Christ when I'm patient, when I really don't want to be. I'm most like Christ when I believe in someone that doesn't believe in themselves. I'm most like Christ when I love my spouse unconditionally. What does that look like? See, I, I think we've gotten really good at raising our expectations. We've gotten really good at raising our expectations of others. This is how I deserve to be treated. This is how I want to be treated. This is all that I'm going to... Now, now listen, now listen, I, I, I want to restate this. If you're in an abusive relationship, I'm not telling you to... St that's, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? I, I, and I, I, it's important to me that you hear me say that. If, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, in, mentally, physically, or otherwise, I'm not telling you to, to, to be somebody's punching bag. 
mentally or physically. I am telling you that there may be a time when you have to love someone, maybe somebody you live with, and it's not returned. But that doesn't change the command. So here we go. I'm going to read Romans chapter 5 from the message translation. And just before we, before we determine this person or that person deserves or doesn't deserve my love or my kindness or my patience or my affection or my willingness to, to, uh, to be a part of their life, before I determine whether or not this person deserves it, let's look at what Jesus did. See, Romans chapter 5 is all about this sacrificial offering of Christ. And it, it picks up like this. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. Listen, he didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. How, how many know if, if Jesus were waiting on Dwayne to fix the relationship, we'd be in a lot of trouble? If Jesus were waiting on you to fix the relationship, we'd be in a lot of trouble, Right? He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. So before we talk about who does and doesn't deserve our love and affection and patience and kindness, remember where we were. Far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. Isn't that true? So we are in trouble. Two most powerful words in the entire Bible. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. to tell you that I didn't and still don't deserve the love of God. When you're, you're a preacher, you're God's, you know, you're, on, you're on the right team. I am on the right team, but I didn't deserve to get here. Listen, I, I, I'm quite convinced that my, my sin, my brokenness, could never, could never overcome that, but God, and I guess that's the filter I want us to leave here with today, is that I didn't deserve God's love, I didn't deserve the love of Christ, and just like there's somebody in your life right now that doesn't deserve your love and doesn't deserve your kindness, what kind of world would we live in? What kind of relationship would you have if you just chose to give it anyway? Well, they, they may trample on it. Yeah, they might. They might. They might not return it. Maybe not. My command is to love like Christ loved. And that every relationship, okay? But I want to I want to share with you what I felt like God put on my heart tonight. I, I, 
I don't want you to think by me doing what I'm getting ready to do that I'm placing more value on any one category of relationship over another because I'm not. I just genuinely felt like God would, would have us in this service in a very unique way. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that there's never been a time when the enemy has been after a family like he is right now. And so here's what I'd like to do. And, and I'm just going to ask you, listen, if, if you're just dead set against doing what I'm asking you to do, I, I get it. But I'm going to ask every married couple that's present in this room to join me up front here. I, I got this. Every married couple. Bring your spouse. And if you're here and you're married and your spouse isn't here, I want you to come as well. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to bless our marriages today. Maybe you're watching online. Here, here's what I believe, and I, I put this on on our um, on our Facebook invite for our prayer service. Powerful things happen when God's people pray. And so, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in any marriage. You know, I do pretty good to keep up my own. But I, I do know that regardless of which one of those three categories you fall into, maybe maybe your relationship with your spouse is toxic right now. But you got to ask yourself, Am I gonna, is this something that God wants me to terminate or transform? loves to turn graves into gardens and he can and does maybe it's just static like, you know you pass each other in the hall and it's just not maybe you don't wear his members only jacket for you anymore I don't know. or maybe you're, you're, you're here and you've got an incredibly healthy marriage you do, but don't you want to do what it takes to stay that way? So what we're going to do is, I'm going to pray for the husbands. And if, if you feel comfortable enough in this, I'd, I'd love for you to just, when I, when I begin to pray for you guys, I just want you to raise your hands as a, as a just a symbol that you're going to receive what God has for you. And I want you to raise your hands as a symbol
Father, in Jesus' name, what a calling you've placed on these people to lead and love. God, the enemy would love to destroy these men. He would would love to destroy them spiritually. He would love to place things in front of them, worthless things in front of them that would detract them from their wives. God, I just pray that every man in this room would just lift up a standard of righteousness in his own life and just declare, I'm a man of God, I'm I'm chasing Jesus, and I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I'm going to raise my family like Christ would have me raise them. I'm going to love my wife through through the difficult moments, and I want to be a man of God. I want to be the man that God has ordained me to be before the foundation of the world. I want to be who God's called. And Lord, I'm just going to confess for me, sometimes we fall miserably short of being closed. Sometimes our weaknesses are glaring. And sometimes we don't deserve your love. We certainly don't deserve the love of our spouse. Ladies, would you just lift your hands and just receive this blessing from the Lord. And I would invite you even, if there's some specific things you need from Him today in your marriage as a wife, that you would just ask Him for it. He's a good Father. He wants to grant what we ask of Him. Lord, I thank you for these women. God, sometimes we are dubbed as the weaker sex. But God, I believe you've given us a strength to God within us. Lord, we are part of your creation that you especially blessed with the sensitivity and, and emotions, Lord, to feel you close. Dear God, but I know sometimes those emotions can play tricks on us that do make us feel weak, that do make us feel like we are too sensitive or we feel too deeply, we hurt too much and too easily. But God, I pray we would take that gift you, get, you have given us as women and we would turn it around. And, and count it as a blessing, Lord. Because I do believe, God, it is a special blessing you've given us, God, that we feel you close. We feel you intimately. Dear God, and the enemy would try to turn that into a lie. Lord, that would bring us down and make us feel weak. Lord, but you are our strength. Lord, so I pray these ladies, dear God, would be a helpmate to their husbands that you've called us to be. God, that we would be encouragers to our husbands, dear God, and speak life into them, Lord, even when it may be hard, 
even when we may be at odds with each other, Lord, we would take that time and we would speak truth and life into them, that we would love them unconditionally, Lord, and show them the love of Christ, Lord, with those emotions that you have given us. Lord, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that when we see a need in our husband's life, Lord, we come to them. Lord, and we speak to them, and we spend time with them, and we invest in them, dear God, even when it's hard. God, because even when we are dubbed the weaker sex, dear God, again, there's a strength in us that we can bring to the relationship, that we could bring to our husbands, Lord, when they may be feeling weak themselves. Give these women a supernatural strength, Lord, that when they are feeling less than enough, dear God, that they find their strength in you, Lord. They find their all in you. They find their worth in you, God. They are your daughter. They are a daughter of the King, dear God. So let them stand strong in that, Father. Help them to bless their husbands, Lord, and love them, God, with all of their might and all of that love that they put inside of that you've put inside of them, Lord. I just pray blessings on these women, Lord. I pray blessings on them, God. You've called them. You've called them by name. And each of one of them have a special calling as individuals, but also as a wife. You've put them with a the spouse they have, dear God, to, 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 to bring them together as one, to be the complete wholeness that you want them to be, God. So, Lord, let them come together. Let these women come together with their husbands, dear God. And become the complete calling that you have brought them together as one to be, Father. Lord, I love you so much. And I personally know without you in my life, I cannot be the wife that you want me to be. I'm full of flaws, as are we all. But Lord, if we will turn to you as women of God, call out to you when things get tough and frustrating. Call out to you, not badmouth our husbands to other sisters, Lord, but call out to you and let you do the work through us. God, I believe we will see great and mighty things happen, Lord, so use us as your daughters, as women of God, Lord, to invest in our husbands and be the women of God you've called us to be, the wives you've called us to be. Lord, I bless these women and I ask this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I know, Lord, as couples, we just we just declare
guys have a great afternoon. God bless.